0: Welcome to the Rock and Roll Coffee Show. I am Joe Sebelia. Thanks again for listening. If you are not subscribed to our YouTube channel, please make sure to head on over to YouTube and join our YouTube family. My next guest, you might know from Saigon Kick, but he is back with Jason Beeler and the Baron Von Bielski Orchestra. New record called Postcards from the Asylum is out April 14th. I'm going to talk to Jason about the new record and more next on the Rock and Roll Coffee Show you've got a new album coming out your second i believe it's your second solo record correct yes sir called uh postcards from the asylum yep and that'll be out april 14th and i've heard the record and another masterpiece my friend
1: oh man thanks so much i'm i'm i'm, I'm glad you know it's uh it's one of those things in, in this day and age you kind of make these things in isolation mm-hmm. so in you know even in the old days you know you'd be in a studio there'd be people around and you'd be getting more kinds of interaction of like you know label folks radio people coming in and out and at least have some kind of so you you kind of make these things in this you know self-indulgent bubble so hearing it from you that you like it is is uh, it's nice because i wasn't sure whether i made the ultimate train wreck or a good record you know you, you never know until it kind of takes flight right.
0: Right. No, I think, I, I was thinking about this the other day, because I've been following you since uh, Saigon Kick days. You know, I used to live out in Florida as well, um, when you guys were just coming up. And this record, I think, is some of your best stuff. I think every time I hear something you put out, it's getting better and better.
1: By the time I'm like 110, I'm going to really be like a force to be reckoned with, I think.
0: You're going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> do you, Do you feel that way yourself? Or, I mean, do you feel that you're progressing as a songwriter
1: yeah i mean you know people always say like oh you know i mean i I don't mean it in the sense that whether or not it'll ever achieve the heights of you know the music business has changed and and all that kind of stuff but i i do feel like i am getting better as a player as a musician at articulating what i want to do um and that's a cool place to be you know what i mean it's like you know whether that now hopefully that translates this record seems to be getting a lot of really great feedback and and that's awesome and you know, to be at this point in your career and have a, you know, kind of almost a second rebirth is, is, is something that I am so appreciative of. Right. Um. But yeah, I mean, like I have friends that are like pro athletes and stuff and, you know, your, your, your time is kind of like, all right, you're 30, 35, it's, it's coming to an end, but music's kind of one of those things where if you stay at it, you know, you can really keep getting better. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do feel like I'm getting Whether better or not is obviously subjective, but I mean, just, I feel like I'm getting clearer at doing what I want.
0: Sure. Sure. Now, you know, another thing that you've always done and you really, it stands out on this record as well is the diversity of, you know, you can hear something like there's some songs on there that have the heavy grooves, like the Saigon kick grooves, and then you've got the mellower stuff. And then you've got just some straight out, just crazy stuff like flying monkeys, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, you don't hear that much and it all works together.
1: I mean, you know, I think the key, at least for me, is that I truly want to pursue that. I love that type of music. Um, I like a lot of types of music. So I think if you sit down as a musician from a place of like, oh, I want to be interesting or I want to try to do diverse things for the sake of that, it always comes across as contrived and maybe doesn't. But like, I literally always grew up like, you know, my playlist was Jane's Addiction, Barry Manilow, you know, Neil Sedaka, Tom Waits, Bjork, Zeppelin, Ozzy, Maiden, Kiss. I mean, Miles Davis, you know, Elvis Costello. And I, I've just that's the way music has always been my whole life. So what tends to happen is like an idea will come and I'll just flow with that concept. And um, so, yeah. You know, I love the fact that it's diverse. It's funny. I've developed a kind of base of people that I think if I ever made a straight record, they'd kill me. I have the opposite problem. Like a lot of musicians mm-hmm. have, like, you know, just make that kind of rock record relay. Um, But, um, and also just my attention span. I don't know whether there's some kind of form of, um, you know, mental issues, but I, I would, I couldn't make a record of, you know, 12 heavy tunes. Well, maybe just I, a little bit of mental issues. I have, you know, well, you could speak to some friends of mine. They'll, they'll yeah. definitely say they're large size, but um. I, I would just get bored. You know what I mean? I, I, I always like to be, you know, you know, I love to go out there and play a heavy riff and lie. It's great. And then, but th- I don't want to do that 12 times. I I, I just, you know, I, I want, you know, I like movies that are twisting and turning and, you know, and, you know, that Quentin Tarantino thing of like one second, you think you're here and then the next second, you know, but that's the way I, art seems to me to, you know, so, uh, yeah. I mean, diversity has always been a cornerstone, but not contrived to do mm-hmm. it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. And then you chose also to go the double record out again.
1: Yeah, in in, in a day and age when uh, everyone's saying just do singles and EPs, I've decided to go back to back double albums, proving I'm just a. Uh, i am just I go. I ride the trend.
0: <laughs> now um, the double record in red is available on Bandcamp, I believe, right?
1: Correct. Yeah, yes. we did that specifically. I've been really fortunate over the years to develop a you know, a really good group of people that have supported the hell out of me on Bandcamp. And I wanted to do something specific just for that format. And then we're doing a yellow vinyl, which will be just for indie retail. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we're doing a black vinyl will be, you know, available kind of everywhere.
0: Do you get excited on record release day still? Or is it different now?
1: I mean, the best time for me is probably when I like finished the recording initially, like when I finish a song and I'm like, and I listen back for the first time and it's like, That's the 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 biggest high I get from it. Um, Secondarily, like I love people I respect hearing that it's working. Like, oh, okay, you know, like I said, you know, that that's what drives me nuts more than anything else is, you know, there's a huge chunk of my brain that wants to immediately like hit stop on the recorder and upload it, so I can get that feedback of like, you know, oh, did you like this? Did you not like it? So that's the biggest frustration with release day and dealing with physical distributors and you know online components and people yelling about marketing initiatives and we need this and we need time and we need you know that's more frustrating than exciting sure uh, but I mean but obviously the the huge reward is finding out people like the music and and having them hear it and hopefully uh you know it, it, that that's obviously a massive part of it but I I just find the impatience of it troubling
0: yeah yeah understandable now are you doing everything yourself now?
1: Is this in terms of, a label? of, are you a releasing it on
0: your own and you know, doing that kind of stuff? I did a
1: distribution deal in the United States okay. with a company called Amped, uh, and then have obviously digital distribution all over the place. And I ran a label for a long time. Yep, I remember uh, that. And I've just figured the way I am, um, I've just come to the point in my life, and I don't mean this. I mean, I hear so many guys of you know uh, that are just bitter about the music industry, and it, it doesn't come from that place at all. Um, I love my time in the music business uh, with other labels on Atlantic on, you know, dealing with universal running. I mean, it was all great. I just come to the point in my life where I realize I want to play with my toys, how I want to play with them. Right. I mean, you know what I mean? And it's like, Mm -hmm. not that I couldn't sit at a table with 10 people telling me if I wore a different hat, the record would do better on TikTok, or I just can't, I don't want to sit there anymore. It doesn't mean that they're not right. Um, Or, you know, I I just want to create my own little world for better or worse and do things exactly how I want to do them. So that's kind of where this stemmed from more than anything else. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I think, I mean, you would know better than me because you're you're in it, but, um, you know, being a person with a name, your name is well known out there. You can go out there and put stuff out and people will find it. Um, It's easier to do that kind of thing on your own these days. So is it necessary for someone? to really have label behind them to, you know, if they already have kind of a name to get it out there.
1: I mean, I definitely have benefited from having been on a major label in the past. And, you know, those were huge times with a lot of money spent on marketing, but I don't think it really carried over. I spend more time explaining to people that I'm not Justin Bieber uh, (laughs) than them recognizing that I am Jason B or that the name's carried me. As a matter of fact, I think it's been a blessing because with these last two records, um a lot of people have found it for the first time and aren't really aware of the saigon kick thing and they kind of retroactively oh my god i had no idea it was that guy um so it's kind of developed a new like especially in the Prague world like a lot of those fans have come to this new and are a completely different group of people than those that have followed me from the saigon kick days and that's a super cool place to be mm-hmm. um uh so i mean We live in a world where, like you were talking about, Kent, do you need it? I mean, there's a kid in South Korea tonight that's going to make a mix of something and put it up on the net. And next week, he's going to be a millionaire because it just explodes all over the place. That wasn't always possible. Um, But in the rock band sense, I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's but like it's always been hard. It's always had its issues. You know what I mean? So I don't know better or worse. I enjoy it just from the sense of the fact that I can go directly to I can be exactly who I want to be. Uh, I can present myself the way I want to present myself for better or worse. I can do what I want. I can make, you know, I collaborate with this brilliant artist and we can do exactly how we want to do it. Um, and again, that doesn't mean it's right. It just means it's what we want to do. And that is something that's really important to me now. Um, so, I mean, I'm enjoying the hell out of that process.
0: Mm -hmm. And you had a lot of guest players on this record as well, just like your last one, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. I had, uh, I was, you know, you mentioned flying monkeys. I mean, that's Marco Miniman. On drums, and I don't know of a more freakishly talented drummer on earth. I mean, the guy's just absolutely out of his mind. I mean, and it was just such an honor that he would first of all say yes. And I th- I think he just killed the track and was amazing. And uh, I played with Edu Cominato again, who also played on the last record. Great drummer from Brazil, Andy Black Sugar, who's like my right hand man. he really collaborated on a huge chunk of the record, and he's just brilliant. He's in KMFDM. He plays with Blondie. He played with Peter Murphy back in the day. And he's just this great blend of like, I can't, it's it's like Brian Eto. Brian Eno meets Ingve. You know, he can shred old school mm-hmm. and he understands that world. At the same time, he's a very modern player and really has one foot in both places. And uh he's added such a great depth to the record. Uh, my buddy Todd Kearns, who plays with Slash and the Conspirators and Took and just a great bass player. He played on the track. Uh Ryo Wakamoto, who's a keyboard player, brilliant keyboard player. From the prog world. He plays in a band called Spock's Beard for a long time. he plays on a track. Uh Ricky Sanders, who played on the last record, also plays on this record. And Chris McLernan, who was in Saigon Kick, plays on one song as well. So um yeah, not quite as many people as the last record. Uh, but it it, it really worked out, you know, it, it's super fun. I mean, I've had look, when I look back at who's played on these records, it's just like I don't know. I don't know if you get much luckier.
0: Yeah. Well, I haven't played on it yet. So
1: Well, I mean, that's what the third record is. I mean, it's really reserved just for you.
0: Yeah, that's what we talked about. Okay. What song did Chris play on?
1: Uh, Birds of Prey.
0: Okay. Okay. How do you choose who's going to play on what song?
1: To this point, I'd love to say there's this huge, deep, analytical pie chart graph of people's talents versus the music. Some things lend themselves really obviously, like, you know, Marco made such sense for flying monkeys just because you know, he's done that. He's been a part of that Zappa world. He's a guy who can literally read the black page and play it kind of cat. So my instructions, my request, and I wouldn't say instructions, but my, my guidance to him was please go berserk. As I've never really normally say that to somebody, but the, the the beauty of this track is that I think his overplaying makes me so happy. Yes. It's it's so cool and fun, and it, and it really served the track. Um, but generally speaking, I mean, I just finish a track and an idea will pop in my head, and I'll fire it off to that person. And, I mean, the thing is, uh, I mean, you know this, you're a musician. So, I mean, the thing that's been really reaffirming is that these people are brilliant. Not that they need me to tell them that, but Bumblefoot is going to give you something really cool.
0: Yeah, You know what
1: I mean? It, it, uh, you know, all these guys, uh, Benji from Skindred, uh, Devin Townsend I, I mean they're they're amazingly talented people Butch Walker all, all in their own right so when you're dealing with people of that caliber um my initial fears were kind of like oh I hope this is a good part because if it's not it's going to be very awkward to say thanks so much for wanting to play on the record but this didn't work we're completely changed to it is so amazing to hear Clay Cook from the Zach Brown band his interpretation of these songs and and I think you know. The danger of doing stuff a lot of the songwriting and everything by yourself is that you can get very one dimensional and very you know, it it starts to sound of a certain so each one of these guys to me adds this kind of like prism of new uh, depth and width uh, to the records uh, in a really cool way so it, it's it's been a one of the great you know musical honors of my life to just you know be able to work with them and work on some tunes with them
0: yeah talk about the creative process with your songs um like how do you approach the songwriting does it come with a just a guitar riff that you mess around with do you come up with the lyrics and melody first i mean is there a flow to it or how do you do it there,
1: there isn't it's kind of unusual and this is not meant in any kind of spiritual sense because that's the last thing i am it tends to come to me like voices in my head like i hear complete pieces of music uh melody, lyric, and just general context all at once. Um, and I don't really want to question it because I fear it'll go away. So I I just kind of like it all just kind of comes out, uh, generally speaking, fairly, you know, recognizably where the songs ultimately wind up. Um, and that makes me a terrible collaborator because when I'm it's all coming to me. So if someone's in the room is like, you know what we need is a you know a harmonica, I'm like, I instantly go for like, and not because again, that they're not talented people and they're not great, but I find myself from a writing perspective, best left to my own devices. I can kind of build this little world and then kind of collaborate with people for me works better, but yeah, a lot of it, I mean, even the lyrical content, like it's so funny because, you know, we finished this record and I didn't really take stock in it the way, you know, you you would think I would. Um, So I assembled all the lyrics as the art, my guy, Robert, was putting everything together and I had my wife proofread just to make sure I don't look like any more of an idiot than I already am. And uh, especially making double vinyl, that's kind of a real permanence to your idiocy <laughs> if, you, if you don't proofread. Uh, and after they started going through the lyrics, like, you know, you you have some serious problems. Like, I don't know if you've like, do you realize what you're like, what these lyrics are? And, you know, and then Robert brought up the fact that it's really this really kind of like, I wouldn't call it a concept record in the classic sense. But there's a real thread of issues and things going on through the whole record. And I don't even realize I'm really doing it. I mean, it just kind of comes out that way.
0: Has, has it always been that way for you, even in the early days?
1: Yeah, for the most part. I mean, e- even a song, a pop tune, you know, not exactly what you call an adventurous uh composition like Love is on the way. I wrote that in like five minutes, all in one piece. I have a demo of it on Bandcamp of me just yes, on a 12 I heard that. Uh, and that's that's as it came out but like really? it, it just kind of came out like that. Even most of the lyrics, not that those lyrics were exactly the most uh, groundbreaking lyrics of all time, but um, yeah, I, I tend to hear like, you know, I don't know what it is, but it just, it all kind of comes at the same time.
0: It's amazing. You definitely have a gift there
1: or a curse depending on how or you a look curse. at
0: it. Yeah, I guess. Um, so does it just happen anytime? Like you could be out and you get a song idea and you're like, shit, I have nowhere to record this. Has that ever um, happened
1: to you? I mean, I'm really fortunate that I spent most of my life in or near a studio. So by the time I'm out, if I'm out of the house uh, and I'm at sushi, I'm focusing on like, you know, a couple of beers and some sushi. Like I, I the last thing I even think about is like, oh, there's a tune idea, but uh, I'm usually, always, I mean, I try to stay, keep those muscles working. So, I mean, I have a pretty strict, usually, I mean, right now I'm in a little bit of a hiatus from it because I want to clear my head, but uh I mean, usually, you know, I'll get up, get a coffee and I'm very lucky that I can walk to the studio and start working. You know, I start I, I just start writing, start putting ideas, you know, and and, and build things. So, I mean, um, I, I think it's something, you know, like anything else, I think that that part of it for me is kind of a muscle. Like I, I just I want to, you know, I'm, I want to keep that sharp and then always be in the process of writing even bad songs. Sure. You know, I think Ed Sheeran said a really cool thing. He's like, you know. When you first turn the hose on, you have to get the bad water out of the hose first before you start drinking, you know. So, you know, the bad songs serve a purpose, you
0: know. Okay, okay. And your guitar sound, you've always had that huge, just a great guitar sound. What are you using these days in the studio? Are you going direct? Are you micing up? What's happening?
1: Uh, I have a Victory Super Kraken head that I used a lot on this record. Uh, I have a a 212 cabinet that I have mic'd up with uh, some vintage 30s in it. Uh, but truth be told, a lot of times I'd use the head into an aux box. If you're familiar mm. with that, mm. the UA audio mm. aux box, it I'll take that digital into the uh the uh this, the, the board. And then um sometimes I'm using some of those. I mean, I've done a bunch of stuff with the neural DSP guys. So some tracks are the quad cortex, uh, some of them are the plugins that they have that I think sound unbelievable. I mean, we're in kind of the golden age of it, used to be like 10 years ago, a modeler sounded like shit i mean mm-hmm. it just there was no compare. now i mean you can do anything and it's kind of really cool because the way i work too the plugins kind of facilitate a speed because i like to work on a song and then jump to the mix of the other song and then back to a vocal and having had an Neve console and all this kind of cool stuff nothing ever comes back mm. you know the way you have i mean it never is exactly yeah, yeah. what it was whether the humidity changes or the board gets warmer or colder um, so in the digital world, the fact that you can instantly go anywhere is also serves, you know, for me, helps me and my process because then I'm not bound by setup or tear down or repatching or, you know, everything just comes back the way it was. So I find mm-hmm. myself working a lot more in the box uh, mm-hmm. than ever before.
0: Okay. And did you do everything on this record yourself? You did all the mixing and everything?
1: Yep. Wow. It Sounds great. The mastering uh, was done by a guy named Scott Craggs. OK, but uh, yeah, all, all the mixing we did here, you know,
0: mm-hmm. and all the tracks were done remotely. I'm, I'm guessing from everyone. All my
1: tracks, ones. all the basic stuff, all the keys, everything that I did was done in my studio. Sure. All the special guests, you know, Marco did his stuff in his, his studio, uh, do in Brazil and everybody kind of did their remote parts. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you like recording like that or do you like being in a room together?
1: You know, I romantically thought I liked being in a room with people. The truth is, I'm an asshole. And and as a musician, you're going to get this too. What I didn't realize is working with other musicians is as you're working on something in a room and I have an idea the way it should go. And then you're trying to come up with something and you sense my body language slightly shift or like you see that like the slight. And now you're not doing your best work because you're no you're. And the whole thing goes to shit just because of that dynamic. So what, what this is allowing me to do is you know, obviously when you work with great musicians, it's the first part of it, but they can totally realize their vision in their own time in their own place and present exactly what they want without that kind of interference of like that, you know, that other musician going, yeah, but if you did this for it, you're like, I'm just yeah. working it up. give me five minutes, will you yeah, before I and, and I find it actually, I think it's I think it's getting the best out of people. Uh, if, in my opinion
0: yeah yeah i've been recording some stuff the same way with with other guys um and i think it's pretty exciting when they say hey here's the tracks when you first dump them in and get to listen to them that's pretty exciting because it's really cool
1: yeah i mean and and you're getting a you get presented a full vision of what they they feel and see and how they think it should go and um and like like i said the battle the whole battle then becomes did i pick a good guitar player? Did, did I ask a good bass player? Did I ask a good drummer to play? Because once you've done that, the whole thing's cake.
0: Yeah, yeah. You ever get tracks back that you just weren't happy with?
1: I I mean, uh, not yet. Good. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been really, you know, really blown away because I they've come up with, I mean, obviously we talked about the musicians again, but I'm getting things back that I wouldn't have done, which is also really mm-hmm. important like these they're not approaching the music like what would jason do they're approaching it like andy's gonna play andy style stuff i don't think people realize how much of a contribution andy's made to even a lot of the guitar parts that he, they're he
0: has a video up i saw on youtube where he's breaking down one of the songs yeah yeah it was really cool
1: i mean he's done so many solos and so many cool pieces and so many things that people would be you know he's, he does not get enough credit for how how good of a guitar player he is um and uh and again with adu and everybody like that they've really brought like some really cool stuff that i wouldn't have thought of or you know ways of interpret you know they interpret the music in a really cool way and uh it's been a cool really cool thing i think
0: yeah yeah well like i said i mean i've heard it It, it's fantastic i've been listening to it been kind of annoyed listening to it just because i have to listen to it through dropbox and it doesn't go to the next song so Ah, like if i'm in the middle of something i'm like damn it it needs to go to the next song then i have to stop what i'm doing and so that's,
1: that's, I, that's Roy's problem. He told me that's, the, that's the why all the kids are giving records out now. Damn,
0: Roy. That's two for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I ordered the red vinyl. So, oh, awesome. So I'm excited for... I could
1: have hooked you up with that. You know, I know a guy. You do? I appreciate the support. Damn it.
0: Well, I thought I'd help you out. Although it's not going to be here till November, I'm told. So
1: No, it's. I, I have good news. Don't tell anybody, but it looks <laughs> like July.
0: Well, I'll let you know when it gets here because my email you know. says uh, November.
1: No, I know. But we just got updated. <laughs> like, I wanted to make sure that because the the last thing I want to do is tell everybody July. Yeah. And then find out that there's been some hiccups in it. You know, so I figured like way overshoot so everyone's relaxed <laughs> and then hopefully make them happy. But it looks like it should be showing up in July.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm excited to see it and get my hands on it. I still like that physical thing, you know. It's great here you in know, digital, was- but I like to have some.
1: I mean, you know, I totally respect how people digest music, so I don't begrudge anybody wanting to listen to one or two songs or listen on Spotify or however they, you know, however you listen to music is a personal thing, and that's great. But it was important to me to make a record that if you so choose to sit down with a double vinyl on headphones, uh, reading the liner notes, that there would be an experience there, you know, um, and, uh, So I I hope the record will really function in those two worlds well, because there's a lot of ear candy, headphone delays, and strange stuff going on that I hope people can keep revisiting the record uh, and finding more and more stuff in it, hopefully.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm excited for it. So I'll let you know when it gets here. Then you know that shit. Thanks. Um, The Baron Von Bielski. Now, you've had that around for a while, right? Mm -hmm. That That name. Mm Mm-hmm. What made you decide to want to
1: use it for, for these projects? Well, I mean, I wanted the freedom of... I didn't want it to sound like it was just me as a singer-songwriter. And I think when it just started dawning me, like the Baron Von Bielski Orchestra is such an insane-sounding, vaudeville-esque thing that it really gives the project freedom to be anything at any time. Uh, and anybody could be a part of it at any time. Um, so, it wasn't going to be this like stagnant, like, oh, it's the Jason Bieler band, and that's the band that's in it. You know, like like you look at like the great Tom Petty lineups, or, you know, not that I'm equating myself with that, but I'm saying like that was a band that you looked at as like a band. This was something that I wanted to have the freedom of bringing in and all these musicians I love. And uh, when we get around to doing the touring, well, obviously we'll have lineup things, but I didn't want it to be stagnant or seen as a one dimensional, this, this is like these four guys or five guys. Um, and I th- just felt like it just, it, it's all seemed to make sense. And then as I started developing the artwork with Robert, everything just started to seem to work.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you had mentioned touring. I mean, do you have a touring band together or like some of the main guys or no?
1: I'm putting it together as we speak, looking at options. I mean, the, the biggest thing for me is that, and I don't mean this in an ego sense of like, oh, it's a huge thing and we have to do it. You know, it's gotta be a stadium tour. Uh. I don't care if it's in front of 200 people, 300 people, but it was really important for me to, I think these records are very big and cinematic and I want them to come across and I want to do the shows that way. So I didn't want to just throw them out there and be playing at, you know, Jimmy's barbecue pub and pit for a 30 minute set. Cause I just think it would sell the music short of what this is. Um, So that's what we're focused on is just making sure we seize the day at the right time with the right, you know, with the right shows. Uh, And we're looking at the end of the year, beginning of next year to start to, to to realize that
0: now listening to the songs and picturing a tour i i see a lot of visuals a lot of yeah. stuff it seems like it would be a big task to take this on tour
1: absolutely ideally i will not even have to show up we could just do it all visuals you know <laughs> true uh, <laughs> or we can just put somebody in a plague mask in the back and they'll and, never uh, know they'll never know the difference um yeah but that that's the whole point you know i, I wanted to i, I want to try to as much as possible make it a special big uh as you know not pink floyd big but i want the i want the record and the visuals to come across as a as a you know kind of a uh thematic piece and and kind of bring it to life that way it's kind of for me it's important
0: yeah you gotta do it right you only That's get one fun. crack at it right the first time
1: Well, especially at this age who knows how many more cracks you're gonna get at it right?
0: <laughs> right i'm with you on that um so you've been also keeping busy with uh with Jeff, Jeff Scott Soto. Um, you guys have been doing a lot of things. I think you have some shows coming up in May as well. A couple.
1: Yeah, we're doing um we're doing the Monsters of Rock Cruise together at the end of April. Um with Extreme and Tesla and Winger and Queens And then uh Yeah, it'll be great. Um, and that's always a good time. And then we're doing a bunch of shows at the uh end of May. We're doing um we're going to be doing Philly, New York City, Boston, and Connecticut. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think of so many things happening at the same time that I'm terrible with. Anything. And then we're doing a bunch more stuff in October. We kind of, We're. It's, it's strange enough, we just started this as like, let's go have some fun, just guitar and vocals, and we'll do some bizarre, anything we want to do. And, and again, you know, saying vaudeville again, but it's become this kind of sticky vaudeville, insane, nonsensical chaos evening. And it's grown and it starts selling out at all these different, you know, city wineries and we just you know, played Nashville. a couple. Of, and it's becoming this whole life of its own. And it's super fun because it literally is like going somewhere with your buddy and saying, like, you know, let's have a few drinks, stay at a nice hotel and just go nuts. And uh, I, I find more often than not, whenever I don't try to put a business plan together, things work out better for me.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Have you? Um, is this the first time you've worked with Jeff as far as doing something like this? I know when you were younger, he contacted you and you guys did some stuff, but is this yeah? I was the in a band called Talisman with
1: him, yeah. I mean, uh, we've always been friends, we've always talked, but I think, um, I might have played it on one of his solo, but again, a remote, like I might have played a track on one of his solo records, but um, yeah, this is the first time we've ever just gone out, and
0: wow, it's kind of funny because people idea.
1: are saying, Why don't you guys record together? And we're like, No, it'll ruin everything, yeah you know we don't want to record this this is just, this is about being in the moment sharing an experience with people that's never going to happen again because we don't even know what we just did and uh and uh i don't want to i don't want to make it that thing where now we're doing a record and we're do, you know it's really about this live thing and it's been super rewarding and super fun
0: yeah it's so fun i hope i'm hoping to catch a show if you come near i'm in myrtle beach i don't know if you remember that but oh I'm, yeah um i think you came to south carolina at one point. you did a couple of things
1: in Hilton Head, yeah.
0: Yeah, which was a little far. I couldn't get to it at the time, so if you get back to the Myrtle Beach area, Charleston, or something, you know, I'll be there. Absolutely. Looking forward to seeing something like that. Um, now, you also recently, Saigon Kick released water on vinyl.
1: Yeah, uh, well, now, they Rhino, I guess, licensed it, and they uh, Yeah, the I, got, I got it right here. So yeah, that one came already. So you know. have it, I don't have
0: it. I have it. Well, you got it. I know somebody.
1: Uh, See, so you have uh, you have connections.
0: <laughs> now, when something like that happens, do you have any say in that? Because I know they can buy the license and release it. Do
1: you yeah, they license that directly from Atlantic. Uh, Chris was dealing with the people at I guess Real Gone, who who mm-hmm. did the records. They did the first two records as well. Right. uh So it wasn't really a creative thing that I got involved with at all. Or you know, I mean, uh, they. Uh, 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 I think Rock Candy is a label out of the UK that also licenses the CD. So they did a reissue of the. The first three CDs and um and to my understanding they they're they're it's kind of neat. The water record specifically is neat because it was never on vinyl. So people that are collecting that, that's a really cool thing. Um, and this is not about anything that real gun's doing. Generally, I avoid the reissue, remaster. I don't want to be in that business. I feel like a lot of times it's a money grab.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, probably
1: unless you really substantially do something to those those records. And the funny thing is. And I was talking about this with somebody else is like records that you love 30 years ago, have a sound and a way they were ingested by you that imprint on your DNA. So making them sound better is worse.
0: Yeah. You
1: know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. records should sound the way it sounded when you were 15. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what made it magical. Um, And uh, so, yeah, I I generally don't, it's it's not something creatively I'm I'm super into. I mean, Mm Next year I'll reissue everything on my own catalog. Yeah, you know, re- oh the remasters of both Baron von Wilske records on, you know, on on but uh generally sur- speaking, I don't like doing
0: it. I'm surprised it was never on vinyl. I was that that must have been like at the end of when they stopped printing vinyl, huh? Yeah, I don't even know if the
1: lizard was on vinyl. The first record mm-hmm. was.
0: Right. Yeah, but
1: I I I think uh well, the lizard was 93. Yeah. So that would have been like the long the end of the long box CD era.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Uh, so I don't think there was vinyl then. I mean, there was vinyl, but not on our records. And then uh, the Water record definitely wasn't on vinyl.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you find when something like that happens, though, uh, somebody does re-release something, you find renewed interest in the band?
1: You know, it's been really great. I mean, people have been discovering the records. You know, and you have these camps that you know the first record is the best record, the second record, the third record is best, and that's all cool stuff, man. I mean, that, that that's awesome that people still those records mean. You know, while the band wasn't huge uh, in, in the Metallica sense, um, the people who love those records are like unbelievably passionate fans of, of that stuff. And, you know, it's super nice to hear that those songs mean something to people and uh, that they still listen to those records and they like it. And seeing everybody so excited about getting that record on vinyl and posting on Instagram, it's like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, there are worse things that can happen to a person.
0: Yeah, right right um and it's very cool on your band camp that you have some demos of the earlier saigon kick stuff now were those all the real demos that you presented to the band yeah really
1: Mm -hmm. you still had them all that time those are those are the original mock-ups of uh
0: most of those tunes yeah and some of them were done acoustically did you start the songs on acoustic a lot of times
1: it depends on what i'm i'm like what's closest i'm very lazy just grab some whatever's right there (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then the older you get, the less you're like, oh, I don't want to lean. So this one will have to.
0: That, that's why these are right here.
1: Exactly. Can't.
0: <laughs> See, you got to walk to go get yours.
1: I know. It's terrible. Well, cardio is very important. Do what? Cardio is very important. Oh, yeah, too. yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. I, I need that. That's awesome, man. Um, All right. So it's coming out April 14th. People will be able to hear the whole thing. Right? Absolutely. On digital. And uh, they can pre-order the record the vinyl now.
1: Yep. The CDs will be out the uh, 14th, April 14th. Uh, it'll be on all the digital services, uh, the vinyl. I have been cracking the whip and should be as fast as humanly possible. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm super stoked that everyone's so far, the feedback's been amazing. And, you know, that's always nice to hear. For Compared to the opposite, feedback would be terrible. <laughs>
0: right. Well, yeah. I mean, I, like I said earlier, you know, I think it's some of the best stuff I've heard from you and, and it, I can't wait to get the vinyl in my hands. In July, not November.
1: Well, exactly. I sped it up by three months. This has been a really productive call.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, listen, Jason, I appreciate you joining me, man. And uh, best of luck to you.
1: Thanks so much again for having me. It's always a great time talking to you. And I I apologize for the one-day delay. (laughs) Well, you know, like I said, I've been here 23
0: hours. But
1: I hope the the anticipation, like they say, made it even more exciting.
0: (laughs) It's been a pleasure, man.